Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The Volume. This week on Prime Cut, Chad Millman, Sharper Square, John Middlecoff on the Buffalo Bills. Can Josh Allen carry them into the playoffs? And my top takes of the week. Hi, everybody. Welcome in. You know, I, I was thinking about the Draymond Green situation, and I think, you know, I'm in pretty good shape for my age in my 50s, and there are some things I wish I could do over in my life, but um, I don't have the, you know, the relentless, boundless energy I did when I was 24 years old where I could go play basketball, pick up basketball, rip my ankle up, and then two days later be out playing again, <laughs> have a ski accident. Next day, I'm on the slopes. Things take longer to heal. You get into your 50s and shit breaks, right? But I, I think the advantage to having perspective is I just don't get worked up very much. And because I've seen everything seven times, like when Elon Musk took over X and uh, Twitter, now X, and people freaked out. Take a deep breath. It's going to take six to nine months to figure it out. I don't think the user experience is quite as good as it was, but I filter out what I don't want. It's not the end of the world. I'm not going to rush to threads and protest. That seems so juvenile and so childish to me. Take a deep breath. If you're spending that much time on X, probably need to get a life anyway. If you have strong, defiant opinions about a social media app, maybe get off the social media app. I, I see it all the time with President Biden. Oh, he's the worst, the best. He's neither. He's not the best president. He's not the worst. Uh, the stock market's over 37,000, right? Um, uh, inflation down, gas prices down in most of the country, uh, unemployment's under 4%. Uh, there's a lot of manufacturing jobs that have bounced back. Uh, we're through COVID. I don't think Biden's the best president. I don't think he's the worst. Uh, age is a concern. Um, again, uh, I just, I'm not outraged by the stuff I read. Uh, you know, when, when Bud Light, um, put somebody on the can, a transgender person on a can, people freaked out. My takeaway was, well, I don't think coming off real men of genius to that was the smartest marketing plan, but I didn't lose sleep over it because I don't necessarily care who's on a can of beer and I'm married with kids and you know, pretty strong, thriving business here at The Volume and I work on TV and radio. I think people who overreact to stuff are bored or they need attention. Um, and there are things to get worked up about. We know that, but I just, it doesn't happen to me very often. When I saw the, the Draymond Green flailing uh, punch, my takeaway was go YouTube Bill Lambeer. You can't believe he was tackling people during the finals, not Tuesday games, Wednesday games. Uh, Dennis Rodman, YouTube him. 
but literally didn't show up to playoff games, went to Vegas to hang out. Michael Jordan had to fly out there and get him. Is that I remember the 1970s NBA, fights, empty arenas, uh, uh, the horrible ownership groups from Donald Sterling to Ted Stepien. I don't like what Draymond Green did, and he deserved to be suspended indefinitely is fine. Um, he'll get help, deal with some counseling. His agent, Rich Paul, and Clutch Sports will help him navigate that. But I know Draymond. He's a terrific employee. He's a hard worker. He's an excellent podcaster. He's thoughtful and very, very reflective. Um, and I've... I've never thought he mails it in. He's been a good teammate. I think he's the second most important warrior to Steph Curry. He's been a catalyst. He's been a great teammate there. Doesn't have to get along with everybody. Kobe didn't get along with everybody. Michael Jordan didn't get along with everybody. Michael Jordan punched the teammate. So it's not that I'm supporting Draymond just because he works at the volume. My, my feeling is when you have perspective and you've watched Lambeer, and you've watched Dennis Rodman and you see Draymond and, and Lambeer and, and Draymond are more talented, better offensive players, obviously, than Dennis Rodman. But it's just perspective. Um, you know, he's not let's take a deep breath here. He's not selling drugs to kids. He's not a shady politician. Uh, he's not selling uh, weapons to inappropriate people. It's a sports suspension based on a very physical player uh, who is kind of I would I would call him a disruptive player. And it's sort of like uh, uh, hockey enforcers. Uh, through the years, there's been a lot of hockey enforcers. And uh, it's difficult, and it messed with a lot of guys' heads. And a lot of guys who are hockey enforcers, protecting a great player on their hockey team, were medicating themselves through any means possible, often alcohol. Um, and I think when you are Dennis or Draymond or Bill Lambeer, and you're kind of an enforcer that you go to the arena every night, you're going to guard the best player of your size. Uh, you're going to have to get in his head. You're going to have to be physical. It's different than going out ball handling and hitting threes. It's a big, difficult task for hockey enforcers and basketball disruptors. So I'm always a little lenient understanding that every team needs a tough guy. Every team needs an enforcer. Um, and it's, a, it's really hard. It's hard to do. It's just like in football, not all positions are same. Not all positions, you know, require the same focus or attention. It's much easier to be a running back and a cornerback right out of college to the pros than it is a left tackle or a quarterback or a, a, a signal calling Mike linebacker. There are certain positions that are just harder and they demand more from the athlete. So I think one of the things I like about being in this business a long time is I don't tend to initially overreact to stuff. When Shohei Otani signed and he deferred 90% of his contract or more, well, it's legal. And he did it so he can play with better players and to manipulate the California tax system. People all over California do that. Live 65, 60% of the time in another state, Florida, Nevada, Washington state, no state taxes, uh, and then live some of the time in California. Nobody had a problem with the Yankees dominating the hot stove league 20 years ago when the Yes Network that was making at the time $400 million had a decided advantage on every other regional or local cable network, and the Yankees bought whoever they wanted to. Nobody was outraged by that. It was celebrated. So I think one of the things, I know a lot of people in the media, and I respect a lot of people in the media and trust a lot, but the constant overreaction to everything a lot of people in my space peddle outrage. I don't. I think my content is smart enough and thoughtful enough 
that I can lay it out there. I don't have to uh, try to you know, gear up anybody and, and freak out anybody. I do not pedal outrage. I'm just not upset very often. I take a deep breath. I watch what happens. I give you perspective on how it lands for me. But I, I, I don't need to, I'm not selling that. Now, for some people, their internet business is their business. Again, I have a TV show. I have a radio show. I have my own company. Revenue's fine. I don't need to peddle anything for growth. Everything's growing organically. But, um, I mean, if, if you're attracted to that stuff, you're probably not listening to me anyway. Because I'm not selling conspiracy theories and I'm not selling outrage. Draymond Green is a basketball suspension and he's going to get right. He's been a great employee at the volume. And again, incredibly reflective guy, willing to take criticism, willing to be coached. But, um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen enforcers and disruptors in sports and it's a, it's a big lift. It's a hard ask. Uh, and there's a lot of turbulence. There's a lot of, there's been a lot of great, great moments in Draymond's career. There's been some bumpy ones, and this is a bumpy one. But I want to talk about um, Tommy DeVito. So, you know, great high school player from the area, little college star, right? Tommy DeVito does not succeed if he has a defensive coach. Okay. Now, Seahawks with a backup quarterback. Steelers with a backup quarterback, New England with a backup quarterback, and until this weekend, the Jets with backup quarterbacks, a complete S show, defensive coaches. Yet Atlanta with a backup, Indianapolis with a backup, Cleveland with Joe Flacco, the Giants with Tommy DeVito, all offensive coaches remain viable. There is no question defensive coaches can win football games if they've got a good quarterback. But when you urgently have to make it up in the middle of a season, you get a backup quarterback. I do not think defensive coaches are equipped to handle it. It is not a coincidence that 11 of the 14 current playoff teams have offensive coaches. That is not a coincidence. It is also not a coincidence that the three most improved offenses in the National Football League in the second half of the season are the Rams, the Broncos, and the Green Bay Packers. All offensive coaches. Come on. It's not a coincidence. Um, Tommy DeVito, you give him Mike Tomlin. I mean, look at the Steelers. They have Mitch Trubisky as a backup. Mitch Trubisky made the playoffs twice in Chicago, not a well-run organization, with offensive coach Matt Nagy, who got fired. Okay, made the playoffs twice. Aaron Rodgers was in his prime in that division. And Mitch Trubisky, they had a good defense, but Kirk Cousins was in his prime. Aaron Rodgers in his prime. Matt Stafford was in that division at the time, close to his prime. And Mitchell frickin' Trubisky made the playoffs twice. He goes to Pittsburgh, disaster, unwatchable, can't get first downs. It's not, it's not luck. It's not... What, what Brian Dable is doing is on the fly coaching up a young, talented kid that's got some mobility. DeVito's not real big, doesn't have a big arm, but he can move. And I think this is just, um, you have to think long and hard if you're the Patriots and you hire a new coach or you're the Raiders. We'll see what they do there with Antonio Pierce. Um, 
Chicago, if they hire a new coach, Tampa, if they hire a new coach, man, you, you really got to think twice about hiring a defensive guy. This is Tommy DeVito is not talented enough to move that offense up and down the field off a pretty talented Green Bay defense with a defensive coach. I know I've been banging on this forever, but um, I'm a huge Daybowl fan. I mean, look at Buffalo. They have no offense. It's regressed terribly. I mean, what happened to Stephon Diggs? What happened to Gabe Davis? They don't throw the ball down the field anymore. With the strongest arm in the league, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, defensive coach. All right, enough. Nice win for the Giants. <laughs> I, I thought that game, you know, sometimes sports gives you gifts. I mean, like when you watched, you know, Buffalo, Kansas City, you would expect that would be a good game. Um, you know, we, we occasionally get games. We know they're going to be good and they're good. But when you go into this game tonight and I'm thinking, oh, I want to watch Miami. Ugh. And I'm thinking, just just Jordan Love, Tommy DeVito, give me something here. Give me a, Give me something. I was entertained for three and a half hours. <laughs> How about that? Way to go. Pasta Fazul for everybody. You know, I was watching the Cowboys, and listen, they've played the kind of schedule where they've had several blowout wins, most at home. And so when you have a blowout win, uh, you know, the snap count for some of your starters is lower. You can rest guys, whereas Philadelphia just looks tired. I thought Dallas tonight looked fast and fresh, uh, and they've had a lot of their players, stars, and starters uh, that could rest second half and later in games this year. Uh, and there, there is something to be said about a heavy snap count. So you start looking at Philadelphia. I, I thought they'd really show up tonight. It'd be a very, very physical kind of a 24-20 game. But, uh, you know, they played the Cowboys in Kansas City and then San Francisco and then Buffalo and the Cowboys again. Those are tough matchups. Those are grueling physical matchups. There's no Carolina in there. There's no New York Giants. Uh, your defense doesn't get to face the Jets. Whereas the Cowboys have half a dozen games like that this year. And so it does matter. And so I think it's just fatigue. I think tonight Philadelphia looked old and tired uh, and Dallas looked young, fast, and fresh. Um, and right now at this point in the season, uh, they're a better team than Dallas. But um, the Eagles' schedule lightens up. They get the Seahawks. I think it's next Monday, so they get an extra day off. They need it. Uh, but, I, you know, I was thinking watching that game. So uh, one of the Cowboy players that had a very good night was Stephon Gilmore. Um, and they only uh, used a fifth-round pick to get him. And so, you know, it, it's when they went out and, and spent a fifth-round pick on Stephon Gilmore, I thought it was a good move. Uh, Gilmore's past his prime, but still, you know, in big spots against big receivers, really smart player, been around, knows how to manipulate it, create fumbles. Um, so a fifth-round pick has about 15% chance of, you know, 15, 18% chance of even making the league. And it, it's interesting. I, I've always thought if I was a GM— uh, and I could go get a really good player on a good team. I wouldn't waste it. Uh, or if it was a position of need, I would make a lot of moves like that. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex 
latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. All right, welcome in Colin Cowherd alongside John Middlecoff, former NFL scout. He has a podcast for the volume called Three and Out, very popular podcast. We do this YouTube live, becomes a podcast for the volume sports. And uh, let's start with the kind of the game of the day, which is uh, in the early windows, which is Buffalo holding on to beat Kansas City. Some coaching malpractice uh, down the stretch by Sean McDermott, who did not have a good week when a story leaked that he did a couple years ago, a, a, a pregame speech to incentivize his team with some 9-11 references without going into detail it, that were horrible and embarrassing. And, uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, yeah, I get it. But when I watched the end of the game and him throwing the ball and not bleeding the clock out, and maybe that's maybe that's a defensive coach not respecting offense, but to do that in Kansas City against Mahomes <laughs> was like, timeout. Sean, I know the 9-11 story was a bad week. I know you're off. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. Now, they get away with it, but when you have a coach on the hot seat, and you're a GM or an owner, you look for these moments sometimes to go, how do we pull the ripcord on this? Like, how do we get out of it? I honestly thought if they lost that game, John, maybe this is hyperbolic, you could have made a decision upstairs, end of the year, we're getting rid of him. I thought the moment that Travis Kelsey threw the ball back and the guy walked into the end zone before the play was called back, that was going to end Sean McDermott's Bills career. You, you couldn't end on the week that he had like that especially because when the game started, Bills came out, they looked like the Super Bowl contender that we all thought they were coming into the season, at least some of us. And then the game just kind of unraveled from there, and they were in a position where it looked like they were going to lose. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, listen, I've known Sean since I worked in the NFL. He, he was in Philadelphia, and I text a bunch of people that worked with him as well. From a character standpoint, I, I always thought like his character was pristine, high level guy. Now I think some of the tight defensive stuff, you can't argue that. But yeah. some of the stuff that you know, at least in my experience, 
and other people that I know said that wasn't the guy that they were ever around. I'm, I'm not talking about Buffalo. I can't speak to that. I'm just saying in my experience. But today, I mean, he is just so dependent on this quarterback pulling plays out of his ass. I mean, that, that play, when he scrambled to his left, threw it to Latavius, who ended up fumbling, I, I know they got a little lucky that they recovered the ball because it went out of bounds. But that play sums up the Josh Allen experience. Like, no one else in the NFL can even do that. And obviously his ability to run, you know, with a violent nature. is He's just a unique player. Listen, we know what coaching does. Look at Denver, Nat Hackett to Sean Payton. Yeah. Same exact player. So we know coaching matters. If you put Mahomes in Buffalo and Josh Allen in Kansas City, you know who has the rings? Like, we know quarterback 65% of it. But we've seen Jeff Fisher and Sean McVay with Jared Goff. We've seen Brian Flores and Mike McDaniel with Tua. We know quarterbacks can be elevated by coaches. What you're watching is a defensive coach who cannot create a run game. Today, didn't throw the ball down the field virtually at all. Josh Allen is carrying this franchise. It's a little bit like what's happening to the Chargers. The difference is Josh Allen's better than uh, than Justin Herbert. Yeah. But I mean, I'm to the point now where I feel sorry that the prime year, and he's probably got three prime years left because he's getting the hell beat out of him. Josh Allen has about three prime years left, and then he's going to be Big Ben and Cam. He's going to hit about 32 and start aging. I would say that, I mean, McDermott, I couldn't compare him to Staley. Like, he is a playoff-level coach, but clearly it feels like a lot of people are going to act like this team. Don't let them get hot. I'm not buying it. I mean, yeah. he, th- that what we just witnessed. I mean, they easily could have lost lost the game if the guy's cleat is six inches, you know, behind right. the the blue line. So th- they are fly by to the seat of their pants. Hope Josh makes some plays. They come out strong, and then they just kind of hold on for dear life. They've played in that same game ten times this year. They've they've just for the first time lost a lot of them. Obviously, they play Dallas next week, but I, I'm not buying that because a lot of people are going to say if they get in, watch out. Like I don't know, I, I I do not see it with this team. I don't too much too much going on because that the, the just because you win a game like this, which is important for their playoff chances, I don't think it changes kind of the the talk around the coach, the franchise, everything that's going on. Right? I mean, he was there. There was a microscope on him coming into the season, and then obviously they're they're going to struggle to get to nine wins. So I I think this franchise, it's just in a very, very weird spot right now. All right. His name is Chad Millman, my friend for a long time, CCO of the Action Network, all odds provided by DraftKings. You know I like theories. I like to uh, project what I see. Not always right, but they're interesting. So I was listening to Andrew Whitworth uh, the other day talking to Kevin Clark about offensive line play is they don't ask you to block a lot and the athletes are getting better on the defensive side. So here's something that I think you have to strongly consider. So the athletes, all athletes in all sports are getting bigger, stronger, and better, right? And defensive linemen have always been more physically gifted and athletic than offensive linemen, with the rare exception of a Trent Williams or just an elite all-time left tackle. So as they get more talented, the defensive athletes, and our receivers and our corners, you know, everybody's getting better. Offensive linemen, however, are the least athletic of all the athletes on the field. Therefore, quarterbacks are getting hit more and getting hit with more velocity and violence. Therefore, backup quarterbacks are playing at a higher percentage. Therefore, backup quarterback is a position that will never be paid a lot because of the salary cap. 
If you look at what is happening in the NFL now, it is not a coincidence. Let me give you teams that have struggled with backups. New England. Pittsburgh. Briefly, Chicago. Seattle. All defensive coaches. Here's teams flourishing with backup quarterbacks. Indy. Cleveland. Atlanta. Doing okay. Um, Minnesota. Won a game. Quarterback did not have a practice. Last year, McVay with Baker won with one practice. So the point being, 50 to 55 quarterbacks this point forward are going to play annually. And you cannot pay a backup. There's limitations on it. 11 of 14 current playoff teams have offensive coaches. And the bubble teams, Denver, the Rams, have offensive coaches going forward. You really have to strongly consider drafting a quarterback fifth, sixth, seventh round almost every year and realize that even if you have a legendary defensive coach, Tomlin, Belichick, Pete Carroll, absolute limitations, a defensive coach can win with a star quarterback. But if his quarterback position is disrupted in season, bad, spiraling, worse. Offensive coaches have a greater sensibility, can not only win, Flacco, first start, looked more than capable. And so my theory is offensive coaches have to be a hire and quarterbacks have to be drafted now almost annually. You have to keep three on the roster. Um, and so it's just, it's just one of my takes on one of the reasons I've done something this year in my gambling, Chad, that I've never done. I'm taking favorites. And a lot of these bets are, what quarterback do I like more and who's his coach? So with that, one of my favorite bets this week is Cleveland minus, I think it's now three, against the Bears. So it's a defensive coach going to a team that's a very good defensive team at home. But I believe Flacco will make incremental growth weekly with an offensive coach, whereas I think Justin Fields is to some degree, going to be what he is. His growth has been long and a slower process. I love Cleveland, minus three this week. I think Flacco will take another leap, first start to second to third, sharper square. That was long. <laughs> I'm laughing hard because I know, Joe, agree with everything you said about offensive coaches, the importance of backup quarterbacks, I think the best example is the one that you haven't mentioned, but I know is one that you love, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan has been a genius of a coach in his time in San Francisco, and it has been over the years, oftentimes, not just with backup offensive linemen, backup running backs, backup receivers, but with second, third string quarterbacks, quarterbacks off the street, because I don't think anybody enjoys game planning and scheming and the chess match of offensive football more than Kyle Shanahan. I don't think there's anybody better at it. It's why the 49ers always get so much respect from professional betters because they know Kyle Shanahan is so good at scheming. And your point about offensive coaches is that when you have a often an offensive line that is going to have less athletic players and you know you are going to have a quarterback that needs to play when he is ill-prepared or not as good as a starting quarterback, you need to know how to scheme offensive plays. 
agree with everything you're saying 100%. You couldn't have picked a worse game than the Bears and the Browns to try to make your point. You are so wrong on this side. It's frightening. The Bears are the side in this game. The Bears are the side to win this game. And I think what you're getting here is the uh, inflation on the Browns and the value of their defense, which is very banged up right now. And you're getting how well Kevin Stefanski has coached this team through a myriad of injuries and kept them in the hunt for the title in their division, even though they are basically down to fourth, fifth, sixth stringers on their interior offensive line. The Bears, meanwhile, since week nine, EPA per play, expected points allowed per play, they're sixth in the league, the Browns, 25th in the league. Like, this is a defense in the Browns that is getting consistently worse and a defense in the Bears that is getting consistently better since they got Montez Sweat. Their running defense, their rushing defense, consistently better, now becoming a dominant force for them. And that might be the only strength the Browns had. I am not buying Joe Flacco and the glorious story that happened last week against the Jaguars. That was a fluke. That is not going to happen again. That was why you fade the Browns this week. And also Justin Fields, I'll tell you this right now. This is going to be the most fascinating four weeks in a generation for the Chicago Bears and Chicago Bears fans. Justin Fields is playing for a new contract in Chicago, a new coach in Chicago, if that is what happens next year. He is playing for the next coach he plays for if the Bears decide to trade him. Whatever the case is, Justin Fields is playing for something over the next four weeks. And since the bye, he has been making better decisions, faster decisions, and showing he knows how to play quarterback much, much better than we thought he did prior to his injury. All right, let's get serious. Here are the picks I really like. <laughs> My but two I, favorite. I, you know, I, I appreciate you throwing that one out there. I didn't even know where you were going. This is not the best line, but I think my favorite pick of the week was Lions minus four. It's now four and a half. I don't love that, but I think um, this is a tough spot for Denver. Lions are a good team. Um, people sell them because they played poorly outdoors. One of my favorite picks of the week last week was Chicago. Get them back indoors off a humiliating loss. We saw a couple of weeks ago them jumped out to a huge lead on the Saints. They're more than capable. Broncos have had a series of games and travel. I think it's pretty tough. Uh, I think this just feels like a spot. You know that number. I love four. Four is my favorite number. I see it. I take the favorites. I like four better than minus four and a half. I think the Lions is a side sharper square. So it 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 was the side at four, and then it went up to four and a half, and then it went up to five, and the wise guys bought a little bit, little bit back. I'm with you. The Lions are the right side here, right? So the the Lions, they're four and two the past six games. It's not like yeah. they're a yeah. terrible team. They've had a couple bad losses that people are remembering. One of them, Green Bay, one of them to Chicago. Um, but look, in those two losses, six turnovers, two of 10 on uh, fourth downs in their two losses. Like Dan Campbell likes to go for it. When it works, we think he's a genius. When it doesn't work, it puts them in more difficult positions. We saw it against the Bears. Last week, one thing I I think is one thing I think is really important for them. Frank Ragnow 
their center is expected to be back. I do think that's incredibly important for their rushing game uh, with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. When they are both playing well and they can provide sort of the impetus for that offense to give Jared Goff more opportunities, then I think they're a much better team than the Broncos. And don't forget the Broncos. Look, they are living on fourth down luck. They are living on turnovers, plus 15 in the turnover margin during their sort of winning streak the past few weeks. Don't forget, Jared Goff, most profitable quarterback in a dome the past 20 years. I am not ready to sell this Detroit Lions team. And I love the Broncos. I, I want to cash a Broncos over eight and a half season wins uh, ticket, but I don't think this is the right spot for them, neither do the wise guys. Second favorite bet, Bills minus two at home against the Cowboys off a big division rivalry blowout win, Buffalo playing for their playoff lives. Um, you know, we can say what we want about Buffalo. They're in close games. Um, you know, they're not blowing people out like three years ago where they were kind of the Mike Tyson of the league, like it was a first round knockout or they lose late. Now they're actually in a lot of close games. I, I think this is still a team that will make a dent in the playoffs. I think this home spot, get the Cowboys in chilly weather off their spot, a little out of rhythm, sharper square. I like the bills. Totally sharp. This is the side, a lot of inflation on the Cowboys. Like they, mm-hmm. th- there couldn't be a higher price on betting on the Cowboys right now. And if you look at Josh Allen, look, he's got the interception streak, right? Nine straight games with an interception, but he's carrying this team and they're starting to play a little bit better. Remember Rasul Douglas, who they traded for at the trade deadline was replacing Tredavious White. He's the fourth rated best quarter cornerback, according to pro football focus. And don't also, also don't forget, they had to replace Matt Milano, who was their best defensive player. It takes time for the backups to come in, get used to the scheme, get used to playing every down, get used to playing with their other teammates. This defense, while they gave up 37 points to the Eagles, they are improving. I think they're becoming a little bit more well-rounded. I agree with you. It's going to be fascinating the next four weeks. They got the Cowboys. They got the Chargers. They're going to end the season with the Dolphins right now, the Buffalo Bills, plus, depending on where you look, 300 to win the AFC East. Josh Allen, 20 to 1 to win MVP. I know everybody's saying Dak Prescott has this MVP thing locked up. I would not be surprised if Josh Allen and the Bills run the table and they make the playoffs and he wins the AFC East. He'll end the year with a freak load of touchdowns, possibly lead the league in touchdown passes, lead the league in total touchdowns. Uh, he might be a nice little tasty long shot bet right now for MVP. One of the underdogs I like, Commanders plus six and a half at the Rams. Uh, I think that game against Baltimore, win or lose, was a lot emotionally. It was one of the great games of the year. Rams travel east. They lose in overtime. It just, I think it took a little chip out of them. I think they win the game. I get the Commanders off a bye, uh, healthy. Um, again, I think it's always an advantage when you have a buy compared to a team coming off a wildly emotional win. I think the Rams can win out, um, and I think they will. I think they're a really well-coached team. But no, that offense is still kind of dinged up. I mean, they're really doing it off great coaching scheme, and Cooper Cup's not fully healthy. Um, I th- Stafford shows signs that occasionally he's grabbing something every time off the field. Tyler Higby's not healthy. So I like the Rams to win, but six and a half. 
is way too many points for me, sharp or square. So you're sharp right now. I will tell you, uh, I'm on the Rams, and I don't really understand why the wise guys like the commanders. They do. They totally do. You are completely 100%. Like Sam Howell has had a great year. I think that the wise guys are still looking at Sam Howell from the first four to six weeks of the year and giving him a lot of credit and thinking, okay, this is number is too big. They're off the buy, like you just said. I look at this though, and I tell you, this commander's defense is truly terrible. And <laughs> they are they are really terrible. And like they had what I call what we call like the dead cat bounce, right? So in finance, when like a stock is doing yeah. terribly and all of a sudden it has a nice little blip, like a moment of clarity, right? That's the dead cat bounce because it's really kind of a crappy stock. This is a crappy team that after they traded away basically their entire defense and Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they went on the road, they beat the Patriots. Everyone's like, oh, maybe this team has a little more moxie than we thought. They've basically been blown out in every game since then, right? And so including at home by the Dolphins, they got blown out by the Cowboys. They have looked bad. They got beat by the Giants, right? And this is when like before Tommy to, Tommy DeVito and like the magic of being Italian in North Jersey. So right. it's a bad team. Um, and their defense is the worst in the league at giving up passes of 20 yards or more. Cooper Cup, I think he's playing amazing right now. What he did against the Ravens was awesome. Puka Nakua has been fine and making fantastic catches. I don't know that anyone in Washington can guard them. And by the way, Kyron Williams has been amazing since he came back from his injury. Oh, fantastic. Like, I think the rushing game can dominate against the commander. So you are 100% on the right side. I'm making an executive decision. I'm with the Rams. I don't care what the wise guys say. Uh, another underdog I like, Seahawks plus four, Monday night football against Philadelphia. The mo line has moved up, all odds provided by DraftKings. They played a very spunky game against San Francisco and Dallas. These are good teams. They played them tight. Um, and my takeaway here is we've watched on Monday night football, a very average Giants team win. Cincinnati beat Jacksonville. Monday night football is one of the last places. Home field is still three points. And I think Seattle's a desperate team that has actually lost but played pretty darn good in the last couple of weeks. And Philadelphia is reeling defensively. They're not running Jalen Hurts as much. It's an offense that hasn't solved their issues. I know we've watched three or four games in a row. They have not had a great offensive game for four quarters this season. Seattle's tough. Wendy Rainey. I'm going to take the Hawks plus four, sharper square. Yeah, it's sharp. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Before we came on the air, you and I talked about how this has been an, a, a sort of dominant season for the public. the public. And when you're betting on the public, you're normally betting on the favorites. The one area where that doesn't apply is primetime games. Primetime games, it has still been the right side to fade the public, bet with the sharps, uh, bet on the underdogs. Uh, so yes, the Seattle Seahawks at plus four will be the side that you'll find the wise guys on as well. Okay, uh, we do this every week where I want you to talk me into a game that I have strong feelings with, but I have been watching Sharps and I don't think they like it. I actually think people shouldn't sell any of their stock of Green Bay. I really like them. I think their receivers are twitchy. I think Lafleur now runs the team. 
It's a really fun team. Uh, it feels like a Matt LaFleur offense. I think Jordan Love has made big strides. In that game against the Giants, he had a couple of brilliant passes in the end zone. One got knocked down. One was just a foot. Uh, the receiver couldn't get his foot down before they did eventually score. I think they're playing with confidence. I think they're young. They'll bounce back. They don't know what they don't know. And it was a Monday night football game where they went in off beating the Chiefs. So they kind of got into their fields a little bit. They went in as a favorite. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what you are. Now they come home. I like a minus three. Talk me into it. Well, I don't know that I should have to work that hard to talk you into it. It's, it's a really complicated matchup for the professionals. They like the Bucks at plus three and a half. At plus three, I mean, at minus three, you kind of lean Packers or nothing at all. You need the hook if you're going to be interested in the Bucs. And if, you're, if the hook is there, you don't want to bet the Packers. I think there's still so much for Jordan Love to learn. And you're right about the Giants last week. That was the smash spot. That was yeah. the easiest money that we have bet all season. Never in doubt. Never a concern. Like, that was just, you know, Jordan Love going on the road is nearly a touchdown favorite in prime time. You're not betting on that at this point in his career. Going home, I agree with you. This has been a much better coach team the second half of the year. He has looked much better. The challenge is that Baker Mayfield, all season long, has been keeping his team in games. He's playing terribly in moments of every game and keeping them in games and keeping the, the cover alive in every single game. It happened against the Eagles earlier in the year, and then we saw it again with the Falcons. He had played horrible. And in that final drive, I think he had five incompletions. It was like five incompletions and a few runs. And then all of a sudden, he hits Chris Godwin with a perfect teardrop pass on the sideline that gets them close to the end zone. And then he makes a perfect throw into the end zone to win that game. The beauty of Baker Mayfield is that he's always been a guy who just plays with a massive amount of courage and does not care about what happened before. And I feel like that's what the Bucs have been doing all season long. So to me, it's scary to bet against them when they're not playing a really, really good team that is just so much better than them. And I don't think the Packers are that much better than them. Sharper square, Chad Millman. Sorry for my long open, but I just feel... Colin, just, I feel you it. never have to apologize to me for your rants. I never know where they're going to go. I always find them entertaining. I know you've thought of them deeply. I know you've got notes on your legal yeah. pad. I know there's like a tree that you're looking at and this is yep. just a branch. And Yep. I'm happy to take a ride with you, brother. <laughs> Good seeing you, buddy. Go Bears. The Volume. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! 
and some waves so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.